the quantum mechanics. Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the podcast that take us under the hood of the paranormal in an attempt to find out what the truth is and largely what on earth is going on out there. Indeed, we are the quantum mechanics. Um, I want to start this episode with a question. So, okay, do you feel lucky, Ben? Uh, no, <laughs> not particularly. You don't feel lucky. Do, would you no, regard I yourself mean, as a? Would you regard yourself as a lucky person? No, not really. No. Would you regard yourself as an unlucky person? Uh, oh, that's an interesting question. No, I'd say that I go down the middle road. I'm, I'm neither. It feels like, yeah, no, I've... You're 50-50. I've, I'm 50-50. Like, I've found a £5 note in the street, but also I have avoided um, any kinds of macabre death up to this point. So I, I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty average lucky person. Like, okay. neutrally lucky, yeah. Okay, well, we, we're just going to do a little experiment. Oh, that's all right with you. Of course. So I have in my hand, which I'm just showing to Ben, a 10p piece, a 10p coin. Okay. Uh, On one side of it, it's got a picture of the Queen's head, Queen Elizabeth II. So that's the head side. On the tail side, it's got a picture of a lion. Um, I'm going to toss this coin, and you're going to guess whether it's going to go heads or tails. Okay. Do you want me to guess now? How do you f- well, how do you feel about that? First off, do you feel do you feel like you feel lucky? Well, I it's fifty fifty. Yeah, I, I, okay. I every right. every time I toss a cone, a, a, a cone, a coin, I <laughs> I always go uh, one of heads or tails. I know which one I always go for. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to do it now. What, what are you going to go for on this? The tails. Tails. I always go tails, yeah. It was heads. Damn it! <laughs> so, interestingly, you got heads, because I'll come on to why that was slightly weird in a minute. But let's talk about the percentages of a coin toss. If you'd have got it right, would you have gone for tails the second time? Or would you have changed? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure mathematically it makes no difference. So um, I probably would have gone for heads just to shake things up, but not because... To mix it up. Mix, yeah, mix it up, but not because there was any mathematical reason for it, just because. Just because, which is quite interesting when you think about it, because you are absolutely right there is no difference. So I, the, the, idea, the idea of doing that was I was, I was going to see how far you got. <laughs> so if you got it right first time, it was a 50% chance. Two in a row was a 25% chance. Three in a row is a 12.5% chance. And four in a row is a 6.25% chance. So I'm not lucky. <laughs> you got it wrong first time round. So that kind of blew that. <laughs> see you all next week, guys. <laughs> Most people, including myself, would not stick with the same thing, even yeah. though 
I know it makes no difference whether I change or not change. Yeah. Um, so that got me thinking about luck. And as you probably guessed, this whole episode is going to be about luck. I thought, well, surely flipping a coin is a random thing. But it turns out it's actually not as random as you might think. And I found this article in BBC Science magazines called Are Coin Tosses Random? And while coin tosses is, uh, coin toss is regarded as random, it spins in a predictable way when you toss it. Mm. The theory revealed that the coin's behaviour is predictable until the point it strikes the floor or strikes uh, whatever, a table or whatever you flip it onto. Then that's when the chaotic behaviour sets in and small differences produce radically different outcomes. This suggests that coins tossed in mid-air may have a slight bias, a possibility that was investigated by Stanford University, believe it or not. Stanford University do cover some weird stuff, don't mm. they? I love them for that. Yeah. They found that caught coins, so the way I just did it, flipped it in the air, caught it in my hands, slapped it on the back of my hands, um, they found that caught coins have a slight tendency to end up in the same state as when they were initially tossed. And interestingly, that was what happened to you. When I looked at it, when I had it on my thumb, it was the queen's head that was faced upwards. You called tails, and it went heads. Now, weirdly, I've done my own completely unscientific experiment with this today, and I've tossed this coin in front of me while I've just been sitting doing stuff, and I've always had it head side up. And I haven't got the exact numbers, but it, it came up heads much more than it came up tails. Even though this theory, of it, and I was catching it in midair, but even though this theory is only a slight difference, it does turn out that there is a bias if you catch it in your hand rather than dropping it on a table, which I thought was really interesting. So if you're going to ever have a competition with a toying course, I can't say toying cos. <laughs> if you're going to have a competition, <laughs> learn how to say it first, probably, with a coin toss, um, if you're going to do it, always go for the side that's facing up because you've got a slightly better chance of winning every time. Okay, that's really interesting. I had no idea about that. So, I mean, we talked about whether you would change your choice the more it went on, even though you know statistically it would make no difference. Mm. Do you do the lottery, Ben? Have you ever done the lottery? Yeah. Would you ever pick sequential numbers for your lottery ticket? So one, two, three, four, five, six. <clears throat> well, no, but that's... Um... I would say, uh, like, almost superstition over logic because there's no logical reason why those numbers would come up any less likely than a random sequence. Absolutely. And actually, we'll come on to superstition in a minute, so it's interesting you said that. Um, you're right. We're just as likely to win the lottery with sequential numbers as we are random numbers. So uh, if I choose one, two, three, four, five, six as my lottery numbers, miles of winning are 1 in 42,375,200, which is exactly the same as if I'd picked random numbers or just gone for a lucky dip. Yeah, but there's something about our brain that says it's, it's very unlikely, isn't it? It's, yeah. 
it, it just it, it, like although uh, mathematically that makes sense in an, in the logic in our heads for some reason you just go no that won't happen it's never going to come up yeah and in fact I, I i there was a story in the press recently about a fireman <clears throat> who plays the same numbers every week and they got called out on emergency call and the fire he was putting out was in a village that had no uh, uh, no internet access or no mobile phone signal so he couldn't buy his lottery ticket that week and his numbers came up mm. and it, it's one of those it's like whenever i buy a lottery ticket i just do a lucky dip because the thought i might have certain numbers that i've picked for certain reasons and then i don't do it yeah yeah it comes out but i cannot imagine under any circumstance if, if i was forced to pick the numbers that i would pick sequential numbers yeah agreed even though the odds are the same agreed so I started researching whether this had ever happened. Had a lottery anywhere uh, been won with sequential numbers? Had they drawn sequential numbers? And weirdly, uh, we're recording this in January of 2021. It happened in December last year for the first time ever anywhere in the world. This isn't the Italian lottery, is it? No, it's actually the South African lottery. Ah, okay. And it was one with the numbers 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Ooh. I bet people were wondering if that was a fix. I'll come on to that. It's interesting you say that because it, they did wonder whether that was a fix, even though the odds are just the same as any other bunch of numbers. What I thought was really interesting about this was when I looked at it, uh, the jackpot was split between 20 people. Wow. So 20 people had played those sequential numbers? Played those sequential numbers. Jeez. And I, and I sat there and thought, I would never do that. You've just said you would never do that. I don't no. think I know anyone who would pay a sequential number. 20 people did. They shared uh, £280,000 each, or the equivalent of two hundred and. £80,000 each. And you're right, it caused complete controversy. People got in contact with the lottery operators saying it was a complete fix. Uh, a big movement picked up on social media saying it was a big fix. The lottery operators themselves said they were surprised, although you would think they would yeah. know statistically. <laughs> yeah. They it makes know no better. difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the end, uh, I mean, this story is still ongoing, but the South African police set up a special unit to investigate what? this. That's and, nuts. Uh, to, and in December, the end of, towards the end of December, they raided the offices of the lottery operator uh, and the investigation is ongoing. But there doesn't seem to be any proof that, uh, so far at least that this was anything but random that's that is the like that's like our brain going how can this possibly be but taking it to the full extent I'm like that's incredible to raid the lottery company like if they just asked any mathematician is this likely yes it's as likely as any other number yeah well i i wondered if so my thought process was well, maybe there's two things 
and there are two things that y- that you find that we both did when I told you the story uh, find shocking. A, it was a set of sequential numbers, right? Shocking mm. enough. But then that twenty people all yeah. chose those sequential numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you then your brain starts to go. There's something dodgy going on now you you may not know this but did they come out in the correct numerical order or were they randomly Uh, i don't know that to be honest no i don't know i I, god the odds of that would just be i you know well yeah if they would be in order i i doubt i I don't know for sure i would be incredibly surprised yeah 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 but that would be that would be a fairly sort of surprising well that's the thing it isn't it shouldn't be surprising should it it shouldn't be um no. particularly as like as i understand it as i understand how the maths works even though i probably don't if uh on saturday the lottery numbers were drawn one two three four five six in that order and then the following week they came out one two three four five six there is no that that is completely there's no difference there's no difference there's yeah, no, yeah 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 uh, that that i struggle with that as as I, I i'm pretty sure that's true but i do struggle with that as a concept yeah me too yeah 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 particularly kind of if proves uh, why why i'm talking on a podcast rather than being a mathematician <laughs> well there was that um i know people outside the uk won't know this but there was the um the horizon BBC documentary with um, Marcus de Sotoy, the uh, mathematician, and Alan Davis, the sort of um, thinking man's comedian. And they were talking about the maths on the $64,000 question where you have, when you get to the final in the US game show, you choose one of three doors one of them has a car behind it and in their example two of them have a goat behind it and what they were showing was that you are more likely to get the car if you choose a door and then in the show the host says do you want to change your mind and to to any logical brain you go no no i'm fine with door number two but actually if you do change your mind you have a higher percentage of winning the car percentage chance i've seen that i think i I think the way it works is you've got three doors right right you pick and then the host says i'm going to eliminate one of the three Right, so the yes. host eliminates, and then they say, "Would you, your one's still there? Oh, Would that's you like right. to change yes. your mind? You're right. And You're sti- right. And statistically, you are better to change. And I still can't get my head around it. And the embarrassing thing about it is, my I was talking to this, talking about this weirdly with my 15 year old daughter, who got a piece of paper out and explained it to me but i still oh, couldn't understand it <laughs> but and, like every time i've because i've watched that show with alan davis probably four times because by the end of it i'm like yeah no i get it i get it and then half an hour later i'm like wait no that doesn't make any sense let me go back to it yeah it's, it's something to do with you know i'm not even going to go there because i'm just going to say the wrong thing and people will go what well, is i tell you what anyone listening to this google it and 
yeah, I, I did get it actually <laughs> at one point, like Ben did, and then now I can't. I it, I still can't make sense of look, it. Look, just be but, grateful that she's going to put you into a much better nursing home than you could ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. can ever feel justified. Exactly. <laughs> and she'll probably be she'll probably be able to calculate how long the payments yeah. have to go through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's go back to our South African lottery because, like I said, the two weird things for me out of this was not just the fact that these numbers came out sequentially, the fact that 20 people had Mm. chosen those numbers. So I started doing a bit of research to go, yeah, maybe, yeah, I probably would set up a fraud unit because nobody would do that, right? So from my research, apparently in the UK, on the British, the UK lottery, 10,000 people per week choose the numbers 1 to 6 sequentially. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 10,000 people a week. Well, in that case, that says we shouldn't choose them because I don't want to share my winnings with 10,000 people. Well, that's the, that's the exact point. I, what was weird in the article I read about it, they do it because they believe nobody else will do it. <laughs> And they'll get the jackpot. <laughs> and they're in for a terrible shock if those numbers come up. Oh, my God. They'll they'll get about 200 quid each. Bloody hell. Can you imagine, like, the numbers come up. You go, oh, my God, it's 20 million. I've won all of that. Nobody else. They go, oh, it's a weird one tonight. We've had the numbers come through. And it's going to be split with 10,000 of you out there. It's like, oh, for God's sake. Oh, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? That would be awful. So, yeah, all, all this chat, Ben, about prob- probability, just, it got me thinking, God, well, there's no such thing as luck, right? It's just probability. And some of the psychology that we've already talked about, I'll come on to in a minute. But, yeah, I just started thinking, well, luck, luck doesn't exist. There's no kind of weird force out there that either helps us in a bad way or a good way. And that got me thinking, well, God, there's got to be examples of people who are incredibly lucky or incredibly unlucky. And I, I came across this story, which is just, I lo- it's just amazing. So let me lay it out to you. So this is a story uh, of a man called Bill Morgan. He's an Australian truck driver, or he was an Australian truck driver. He was 37 years old in uh, 1999 when this story broke. Yeah, he was he was living in a caravan, uh, and he's been called one of the luckiest men alive. So it didn't start lucky for him. He had a serious road accident in which afterwards, to the shock of it, he suffered a heart attack. His heart stopped for 14 minutes, and basically they thought he was dead, but paramedics managed to revive him even after his heart stopped for 14 minutes and he came back round. Jeez. However, he was ill, fell into a coma. After 14 days in a coma on a life support, his family were asked whether they want to uh, turn off the life support and end his life. Uh, Lucky for him, they said no. And he made a full recovery. (laughs) Wow. So after he made a recovery, checked out of the hospital, he thought, God, I'm the luckiest man alive and decided to go to uh, a local store and buy a lottery scratch card. He scratched off the card, (laughs) and he won a car. What? That's amazing. (laughs) 
it gets better. Well, he deserves it, right? He de- deserved it, right? So, you know, you know what it's like, TV news. A local TV station in Melbourne heard about this story uh, and wanted to do an interview and run a segment on his good fortune, right? Why wouldn't you? Perfect. Perfect and finally story, as we like to call them. So what they did, uh, they said to this guy, Morgan, can we interview you um, at the shop where you bought your winning ticket? He said, fine. So they took him back to the shop where he bought the winning ticket. They did an interview. And then, you you know, they basically asked him to reenact what he did for the cameras. So we know this, don't they? So while they're talking over the top of him, they just wanted some shots of him buying a lottery ticket scratching it off yeah all that stuff yeah yeah typical television yeah 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 uh so they filmed him buying the scratch card so he went up bought the bought a new scratch card uh put it on a counter and started to scratch it off um and i'm just going to play you a little bit of audio of what happened next have a listen to this I just won 250,000. I'm not joking. I just won 250,000. I'm stunned. That's amazing. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing. He's being filmed. He buys the ticket. He lays it down on the counter. He scratches it off. And he's won again for a second time. 250,000 Australian dollars. And, and this was... He was just doing it for the cameras. Just doing it for the cameras. They just said, could you just, you know... We just want to film you doing what you did the first time round. He scratches it off and just goes, I've just won $250,000. That is insane. That, like, that is... It's like the um, Felix Felicis Harry Potter... Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. That chart, yeah, it's like a potion, isn't it? It's like everything a potion, goes your yeah. way. And that, like, he seems incredibly overcome in yeah. that video well, that I just watched. Well, if you listen carefully, he says, "Please stop filming me. Please stop filming me," because he just gets so emotional. There, you know, there's no way it was set up. No, and so this is a man who was living in. A caravan, no pun or rhyme intended. Yeah. And he wins 250,000 Aussie dollars. And then he gets the film crew coming. Well, he won a car first time round. Oh, he won a car. Sorry. Right. And then so, he so, went. So let, let's go through it. Let's okay. go through the yeah, chronology. Yeah, yeah. He gets hit. He gets involved in a massive road accident. The shock of that road accident. Uh, means he has a heart attack and his heart stops for 14 minutes. They manage to revive him, but he goes into a coma for 12 days. The family are asked to turn off his life support. He, They say no. He pulls through, 
and uh, you know if you see in the video which we'll put links to the video uh in our social media in a, the photo album we do or we'll put links on social media at least um he makes a full recovery he thinks i'm gonna ride my luck goes and buys a scratch card wins a car and then these guys ask him to come back for this TV interview and show exactly what he did. And while he's doing that, he wins two hundred and fifty thousand Australian. Ah, dollars. right, right. So his first like luck is is well, I say just a car, but it's a car. It's a car, which is obviously really lucky. Then he does it again, and he's got a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that made me think. You can't get luckier than that, right? That's pretty lucky. Yeah, that's and really then, lucky. And, th- and then I found out about the luckiest woman in the world. Oh, oh my goodness. Is it my wife? <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if your wife's name is Joan R. Ginther, no. Uh, I'll just check. Uh, it is not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so Joan R. Ginther has been called the luckiest woman in the world as she's won the lottery a staggering four times. What? All her lottery wins have been in uh, the USA, in Texas. I know we have a lot of listeners in Texas, so hello to them. She won four times in Texas. I'll get on to the numbers in a minute. These are not like she won $10 one week and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it wouldn't be, otherwise this would be Yeah, otherwise it would be a really rubbish She story. got $18 in total. <laughs> she won $2 the first week. Um, so experts have calculated that the chances of winning the lottery this many times is one in 18 septillion. Oh, my now, I didn't, God. When I read that, I didn't know what a septillion was. No. So, so a septillion is a one... Followed by 24 zeros. Oh, my Christ. So, in her case, it's 18 followed by 24 zeros. Oh, my God. That are the odds of doing it. Let me go through the numbers, because this will just blow your mind. Her first win was $5.4 million in 1993. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, she won $2 million. Two years after that, Three million dollars, and in two thousand and eight, she hit her biggest win of ten million dollars. Oh my god! In total, Ginther won over twenty million dollars, so that's about fifteen million pounds in fifteen years. That that's insane. And and you you say she lives in Texas, right? Uh, yeah, I'm assuming so. That's where all her wins were, unless unless she buys all her tickets from Texas and she's lucky. Do, yeah. do you know how many tickets she buys every week? Or I don't, I don't know. But still, you're, no, no, it, that's it, the odds are so astronomical that it wouldn't actually make that much difference. No, no, right? it wouldn't. No, no. So what now, happened there were, to well, her? Well, what's really interesting about her and it it caused lots of speculation i think around around her is uh ginther was a former maths professor with a phd from stanford oh, university in statistics interesting so this started speculation that she'd found some you know mystical 
formula for beating the odds of the lottery. Which, and, which uh, would know, be impossible. but Which is impossible. And there was also <laughs> talk, you know, we talk about a simulated reality. You know, there's those characters in The Matrix who kind of know what's going on and manipulate the code so they have fantastic lives. I think a few rumours when The Matrix came out, or I think it's the second Matrix, that, you know, maybe she had some kind of influence that we are living in a in a simulated reality and she knows what's going on. Right, right, I see, yeah. But but I, I kind of, you know, if you were going to do that, you probably wouldn't do it in such a blatant and obvious way, would you? Uh, no, I, I mean, I was surprised, like, when you say that, I would, like, the, ob- the odds are so remarkable that that is almost a little bit of evidence of time travel in a way yeah yeah there could be all sorts of conspiracy stuff going on and all weird concepts i mean you look at those odds i'm sorry i'm just gonna have to go through it again 5.4 million in 1993 2 million two years later two years after that 3 million and then in 2008 10 million yeah that's bonkers no, it it is bonkers, and so during that time, what was her career? Was she carrying on being a mathematician, or I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I'm assuming after the first win, her life was let's have some fun, right? I hope so. <laughs> let's enjoy these winnings. Don't know what she was doing at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm going to come on to some bad luck stories in a minute. Oh, God. Um, which are amazing as well. But it started... Those two stories slightly restored my faith in luck a little bit after the statistical start that we started with. Yes. Although, ironically, she was a Stanford University uh, PhD in statistics. But So, I wanted to... Th- I wanted to I really started wondering how far the concept of luck for human beings goes back, whether it's, whether it's true or whether it's not, how long has it been out there? Mm. And it's quite surprising. So there's evidence to suggest that cavemen had a belief in luck and lucky charms. Really? Yeah. Now, I, I tried to dig and find out how they kind of back this up. They basically find uh, what they called writings and symbols on cave walls, which are believed were put up there to warn off bad luck and other types of threats and whatever, the equivalent of enemies and bad spirits. How they kind of made that deduction, I'm not quite sure. But... I mean, that would be amazing. It would say there's a kind of inherent thing in us, even way back then, that life couldn't be... We had to think of some way of warding off either evil or bringing good luck to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. interestingly, throughout African history as well, there are lots of cultures who carry what they call lucky bags. Um, and these are bags that contain trinkets or belongings of a loved one or objects that represent something good from the owner's past. So you put these objects in a bag and you carry them around with you to bring good luck, like a lucky charm, basically. <clears throat> but these have gone back way back in history. Um, and, I, and there's a lot of stuff, so we're going to talk about the medieval times in a minute, because 
it seems like that was the hotbed <laughs> of luck and uh, lucky charms and feelings of luck. But I, 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 I found in my research that really these kind of lucky charms, really div- what I would call lucky charms, a generic term, do split into three. So they're amulets, which were worn to protect you against bad forces. Uh, and, and those amulets, they are they jewellery, basically. Could be jewellery or um, could be plants. They could be... Oh, really? Right. Yeah, okay. there's all kinds of stuff. What was interesting, that Lucky Charms originally were not trinkets. They, they were a delicious breakfast cereal. <laughs> they were. They were, <laughs> they were songs. So people would really? sing. That's, so it makes sense that a Lucky Charm was almost singing ah, a spell. Okay, yeah, yeah, makes sense, yeah. And oh, again, that's really they, interesting. They would bring, either spring luck or ward off bad luck. What Got was really you. interesting, the next development of them was that people started to think, well, I can't, I can't be singing all the time <laughs> and I want something that's a bit longer lasting. So then this belief came about that if you sung these songs into an object or a charm, that they would last longer. Ah. which is why we will think of Lucky Charms as Ah, right, right. So you're almost enchanting an object. Exactly, which takes us on to the third one. Third category is talisman. So these are items that are believed to have supernatural powers or property. So not something that you've created to bring you bad luck, that you feel the object inherently has it. So if we go back again to the Middle Ages, so uh, rabbit's foot being lucky, in those days it was probably hare's foot or probably a bit of both. Um, That goes back to the Middle Ages and it was there to protect you from harm. We all kind of know about rabbit's foot, right? Um, Carrying rosemary, so you were talking about it's not just uh, jewellery. Carrying rosemary was, uh, carrying or wearing rosemary was worn to warn off evil spirits. There are some weird ones which I didn't, I hadn't really thought about, such as this one that um, mistletoe was believed mm. to prevent you being condemned in court. So many people who would turn up in court would go with mistletoe or carry it in their pockets because they thought they, I guess, I guess the odds were higher in those days. You're probably likely to be sentenced to death. So you know, it was a way of helping in that. Um, interesting other herbs are connected uh so that there's also the, well, the other thing i found was a lot of it uh ties in with days of the week or days of the year which i'll come on to in a second uh, but other herbs like blessed with hail marys would stop people speaking ill of you holy waxed blessed on the feast of purification <laughs> would protect you against lightning i we, I don't know if lightning strikes were bigger in those days, but you wouldn't think. <laughs> I just read that and thought that wouldn't be top of my priority list, but okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Protects you against from being slapped in the face by a poppy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then this one, the wax from the tomb of St. Martin of Tours, uh, protects vineyards from hail. <laughs> oh, well. That- <laughs> That does worry me, to be fair. Which at first I thought was ridiculous, but considering we both like our wine, I just I, I feel like I'm going to carry it around with me all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, no, no, hail, obviously, 
ruins <laughs> be a vineyards. So yeah, yeah. But a lot of these superstitions. They're kind of traced back to, can be traced back to the uh, early Egyptian civilizations, uh, especially around certain days and times, as I said. So uh, I read this book, which was quite interesting, or bits of this book called Magic and Superstition in Europe. It's by a guy called Michael David Bailey. He says, throughout the Middle Ages, belief was also widespread that certain days carried bad omens, especially so-called Egyptian days, which comes from the Roman belief that Egyptian magicians had determined certain days of the week to be unlucky. So, so basically, in the Middle Ages, uh, there, were, there were apparently at least two of these Egyptian days per month. Uh, so people would engage in these superstitions and practices and carry charms on those days because they were thought to be inherently unlucky days. And weirdly, you know, ca- calendars, when calendars started to come into fruition, those days would be marked out so people could <laughs> so know to prepare and have mm. their, uh, their, their lucky charms ready. And a lot of all this stuff was, uh, as you can imagine, stamped out by the church because they felt it was kind of paganism that was Mm. kind of rife. Absolutely. Um, So, but I think what was interesting when I looked at those is I didn't really know the connection with the days of the week, but it that kind of comes that there are unlucky days. And I started thinking about Friday the 13th, but I think the Friday the 13th thing comes from um the disciples at jesus's last summer supper mm. last summer last supper i don't know if it was summer it <laughs> the, the last winter. summer and, <laughs> yeah and out in a beefer surely it was spring um <laughs> yeah, yeah they they, they <laughs> went to manumission and oh i yeah. just it just went bad yeah but lots of them seem to be about more about warding off bad luck than having good luck right yeah yeah which got me thinking again about well, we've seen, we've talked about people, the luckiest people in the world. Let's find some of the unluckiest. Would you like to hear about Britain's unluckiest man? <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I feel bad for <laughs> laughing at him already, but yeah, I do. Yeah. So uh, his name's John Lynn. Uh, he was, uh, lived in Stainsworth in South Yorkshire. <laughs> He's known as Calamity John. <laughs> <laughs> well that's not good by his is friends it? he has suffered 16 major accidents in his life <laughs> oh sorry john <laughs> that's funny including lightning strikes oh, God. a rock a rock fall in a mine <laughs> and three bad car crashes oh no so i found this interview with him in 2006 and he was interviewed just after he'd fallen down a manhole at work <laughs> And he talks about being laid up. So the accident damaged his back, injured his left leg, both knees, um, which the grandfather of three can add to a lifetime of broken bones. He's he's a grandfather of three? Yeah. Oh, my God. How old is this man? Well, this this interview is in 2006. I'm not sure what he's up to now. I I hope he's still with us. Um, He says, everyone thinks it's just hilarious. My mate's family and my wife Susan just laugh about it. I don't think there's any reason or explanation. Things could have been much worse. I could have died, but it doesn't worry me too much. So let's have a listen more. So his mishaps over his lifetime. (laughs) This is brilliant. 
he's been known to suffer two accidents at the same time on two occasions. (laughs) As a child, he fell off a horse and cart and then was run over by a delivery van. (laughs) I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but it is funny. (laughs) Oh, dear. This one's even better. As a teenager, (laughs) he broke his arm falling falling from a tree. On his way back from the hospital, his bus crashed, breaking the same arm in another place. (laughs) (laughs) And it it happened on Friday the 13th. Oh, dear God. Um, He's also survived the lightning strikes, the rock slide and multiple car crashes. uh, A philosophical Mr. Lane uh, said, I've had a lot of lucky escapes and people have compared me to a cat with nine lives. It doesn't get me down. It's just how it is. Oh my god! Uh, do you know if he's still alive? I don't. I would try. I was trying to find out. I, uh, I hope he is, and I, I, if he's not, I hope he's uh, family appreciate that we are with Mister Lynn, and we just what a character, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It feels like he would be killed by like a satellite falling yeah. out of space or something. Yeah, or a meteor hitting him. Or something. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God, you're right. He is the absolute opposite of the lottery winner. <laughs> well, I thought it couldn't get any worse, but then oh. I found somebody who's had even more bad luck. What? Than Mr. Lin. So this is uh, this was something I find. It was a really good website called allthatsinteresting.com. So uh, uh, this isn't a paid-for promotion. I just found it an interesting website. So... If anyone uh, wants to go and have a check out, there's some really good stuff on there. Uh, this is the story of Frayne Selleck. Uh, so Frayne Selleck had never been on a plane before, but desperate times call for desperate measures. According to Selleck, uh, the year was 1963, and the 32-year-old Croatian man had just received word that his mother was ill, and that he had to. He was determined to fly to from his home in Zagreb to. I'm not going to be able to say this right. Rijika to see her so he gets this call or gets the message that his mother's ill that he has to make this flight he's never been on a plane before he goes to try and find the earliest flight available but they were all booked Selleck said he managed to persuade the sympathetic airline to let him sit in the rear of the plane with the flight attendants which is nice of them yeah Selleck recalled his first and and also he probably (laughs) found that quite hot yeah yeah maybe Selleck recalled that his first experience with air travel went smoothly until shortly before landing when the unthinkable happened. One of the plane's doors somehow flew open. As Selleck told the Telegraph in 2003, one minute we were drinking tea, the next the door was ripped open and the flight attendant was sucked into mid-air, followed shortly by me. Soon, Selleck said, the plane crashed, the flight attendant, two pilots and 17 passengers lay dead. Salak, however, miraculously survived after landing in a haystack that cushioned his fall. Oh my goodness! So that's I, terrifying, and, te- and a haystack next to a runway. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess well, you have them in kind of more rural areas, don't you? Because you don't yeah, want to crash so. into yeah, houses yeah. unless they're necessary. But that's just one of the sev- one of the seven incredible brushes with death that Frayne Selleck said he endured. Seven. 
The year before the plane crash, Selick said he was on a train from Sarajevo to Dubrovnik that derailed and crashed into an icy river. He claimed that despite suffering from hypothermia and a broken arm, he swam to safety and survived. In 1966, he was on a bus that skidded into a river, leaving four dead while he swam safely to the bank and suffered only minor cuts and bruises. In 1970, and then again in 1973, Selleck reportedly survived two similar accidents in which his car spontaneously caught fire while he was driving, he got out and then it exploded. Twice. In a three-year period. My God, that's so unlucky. Like, cars don't do that. They'd had a bit of a dry patch, to be honest. (laughs) Loser. It went 22 years before his next accident, in which he survived being hit by a bus while walking in Zagreb in 1995. The following year, Salak claimed he was driving in the Croatian mountains when an oncoming truck caused him to swerve off a 300-foot cliff. He said he was able to jump out at the last second and watch from a tree at the top of the cliff as his car plummeted downwards. Salik told the Telegraph that his friends were eventually hesitant to get in a vehicle with him. (laughs) Or even go near him at all. I wouldn't make friends with him on Facebook. This guy (laughs) is a liability. He said, there came a stage when I was lucky to have any friends at all. Many stopped seeing me saying I was bad karma. One of his neighbours said, put it like this, if I heard Frayn was booked on a flight or a train, I would cancel. <laughs> right, yeah, God. Would, like, uh, when I was, uh, when, uh, how old was I? 16 in 1991. And uh, I went, to austria and we were very worried about the um the war in the former yugoslavia and we were glued to uh like the papers and if this guy had reared his head (laughs) i don't think i would have gone on that holiday you'd have run a mile right i would have run a mile yeah so he's had all these brushes with death he says I'm either the unluckiest man in the world or the luckiest. I prefer to believe the latter. He then says, I know there will be no more accidents. I am going to enjoy my life now. I feel like I have been reborn. God has been watching over me all these years. The devil has moved on to torment someone else. Frank Selick may have had feelings especially optimistic or his feelings may have been especially optimistic when he made those comments because that was soon after he'd reportedly won a lottery jackpot of £600,000, nearly a million dollars. I must flag that in my researching of this story, and I think if you notice in a lot of what I've read, a lot of the quotes and stuff in it, uh, they do say, select claims, select claims, select claims. Because... I think a number of journalists have checked into his story and it's pretty hard to verify. And most of it comes from him as the witness. But it's a hell of a story. And what it got me thinking about is the cliche. You know, when people say to you, oh, we make our own luck, whether it be good or bad. And I thought, well, I wonder if there's any truth in that. Um, and I found uh, 
I found this stuff from a psychologist called Richard Wiseman, and he believes we can make our own luck. And he did a 10-year study into the nature of luck, uh, and he revealed to a large extent people make their own good and bad fortune. The results also show that it's possible to enhance the amount of luck that people encounter in their lives. So his book's called, so it's Dr. Richard Wiseman, his book's called The Luck Factor. Um, Definitely worth a read. I'm just going to pick a few little bits from there to talk about. He recounts this story of a guy called Barnett Helsberg Jr. And in 1994, Helsberg uh, had built up a successful jewellery store business and was thinking of retiring and selling the business. He happened to be walking past the Plaza Hotel in New York and he heard a woman call out, Mr. Buffett. Helberg wondered if this was Warren Buffett, one of the most successful business investors in American history. I'm, yeah. I'm sure our American listeners will know exactly who Warren Buffett is. Is, that, is he a business investor, kind of financial guru, yeah, multimillionaire? I, I, yeah, Warren Buffett to me is like um, uh, the... American Alan Sugar, but a bit more successful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, this this guy, Helsberg, was just walking past the hotel and heard this woman shout at this man, Mr. Buffett. So he decided what he'd do was introduce himself to the man, who indeed was Warren Buffett. Helsberg told Buffett he should buy his business uh, and talked about how he'd read various books that Buffett had written. And a year later, Buffett bought his company and it netted Helsberg millions of dollars. Goodness. Wow. So it was this chance thing. He's just walking past, hears this woman shout out, and then goes and talks uh, to this guy. But I think that's the point. He heard the name and then acted. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Stanford, uh, so we're back to Stanford again. Stanford psychologist Alfred Bandura uh, has discussed the impact of chance encounters and luck on people's personal lives. He noted the importance and prevalence of such encounters, writing that some of the most important determinants of life paths often arise through the most trivial of circumstances. So I guess the point is it's about taking your chances. Right. Is what yeah. gives you luck, right? book goes on to talk about the power of superstition it says people have searched for an effective way of improving good fortune in their lives for many centuries as we talked about earlier lucky charms amulets talisman have all been found in virtually all civilizations throughout recorded history touching wood dates back to pagan rituals where mm. they were designed to elicit the help of a benign and powerful tree god the number 13 is we've discussed this is seen as unlucky because of christ's last supper a ladder propped against a wall is supposed to be symbolic of the holy trinity so if you walk under that ladder you would break the trinity and therefore bring misfortune oh i'd always wondered about that that's great to know yeah yeah i always thought it was because somebody might drop a bucket on your head but that shows why (laughs) i wasn't really working in a similar plane was i no no but uh, also that's quite a stretch the holy trinity is a ladder but Yeah. yeah 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 i'm with you um but so of course many of these beliefs and superstitions are still with us now uh in 1996 the gallup organization asked a thousand americans whether they were superstitious 53 percent of people said they were at least a little bit 
25% admitted to being somewhat or very superstitious. Uh, 72% of the public said they possessed at least one good luck charm, which I thought was interesting. I, I haven't got a good luck charm anywhere, but this is great. So Richard Wiseman talks about this experiment that he does. This, this, is, this is fascinating. Ten years ago, he says, I decided to take a more scientific investigation into the concept of luck. I decided that the best method was to examine why people are constantly lucky whilst others encounter little but ill fortune. In short, while some people seem to have charmed lives full of lucky breaks and chance encounters while others experience one disaster or another. I placed an advert in a national newspaper and magazines asking for people who considered themselves exceptionally lucky or exceptionally unlucky to contact me. Over the year, 400 extraordinary men and women have volunteered to take part in my research. So there's a lot in the book about the study, so I'll, I'll just cut to the chase. This is a great experiment. I gave both lucky and unlucky people a newspaper and asked them to look through it and tell me how many photographs were inside. On average, the unlucky people took about two minutes to count the photographs, whereas the lucky people took just seconds. Why? Because the second page of the newspaper contained a message that said, stop counting, there are 43 photographs in this newspaper. The message took up half of the page and was written in type that was over two inches high. It was staring everyone straight in the face, but the unlucky people tended to miss it and the lucky people tended to spot it. Which, that's just bonkers, right? There's this big advert that tells you how many there. Unlucky people wouldn't look at it and just keep so focused on counting, whereas the the lucky people just would claim to be lucky. Personality tests revealed that unlucky people are generally much more tense and anxious than lucky people. Research has shown that anxiety disrupts people's ability to notice the unexpected. I mean, there's so much more in the book, uh, and we'll we'll put a link to that as well in the social media. But I thought that was absolutely fascinating. It was something about the mental attitude you have. And there's another bit which I've just... This is, this is one of the last bits I want to talk about today, but... I'd never thought about this, and this is really fascinating. So Dr. Wiseman goes on to talk about Olympic athletes and that in the Olympics, so, so you know, we all know the ultimate in the Olympics is a gold medal, right? Second, yeah. the second best thing to have is a silver medal, right? And the third right. is a bronze. Yeah. But research has shown that most athletes don't see it that way. So Wiseman says, research suggests... Athletes who win bronze medals are happier than those that win silver medals. And the reason for this is to do with the way in which athletes think about their performance. Basically, if you've won a silver medal, you think, if I'd only just done that little bit better, I could have been the ultimate winner and got a gold. Yeah. Whereas if you win a bronze medal, you're more focused on what would have happened if you'd have performed a little worse and you wouldn't have got a medal at all. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So for your mental health, it's better to get a bronze than a silver. Yeah, absolutely. Ah. Now, I don't know, I, now, I don't know if this applies to everyone. Maybe it's something to do with your 
drive and obsession. I'm sure it's more complicated than that. But on a base level, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I I really feel that, yes. And yes. what was interesting in his book, in the end, I, I, my reading of it, he seems to conclude that the best way to be is to be positively sceptical, mm. which I thought that's what we try and be on the quantum mechanics, right? Oh, yeah, no, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. In In everything we do, we're largely coming in bronze, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We are the bronze medalists of the paranormal podcast world. Yeah, yeah. Now I like that. I hadn't really, I'd never considered that before. But yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. Like when I was at school, like being a fat, wheezy, fourteen-year-old smoker. I couldn't compete in any of the sports day things. But if I'd come close to third place, I wouldn't have worried about whether I'd got near first place. I would have been obsessed with how I had overcome all the other places. So that makes a lot of sense. And it kind of makes, if you look at it, I'm sure the psychology works in that way. No one wants to come last, right? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And actually, in a massive race, second to last or last, it's not much difference. But the psychological difference between coming last and coming second to last is massive. You yeah. probably feel relief at being second to last, whereas if you're last, you're going to feel despondent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, this This has been really, really interesting. It has changed my view on... Luck and chance, it really has. Um, where where are you sitting now? Uh, I know it, you're sitting in your spare room, but you I was going to say, <laughs> in my spare room with the curtains open, um, I feel like, um, as I had sort of suspected, but hearing those stories, everything is just mathematical chance. And... You might as well play the lottery because mathematical chance favours you as much as anyone else. Yeah. And you may as well, you know, eat trifle because chances are, you know, you're, you're changing your chances, but, you know, you're going to have fun. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I think for me, the, the bit in doing it and researching it, I think this, this this kind of mental attitude towards luck I thought was fascinating. Now I know that doesn't work. This the last bit I talked about doesn't really work with the lottery. Just because you think you might win the lottery, it's not going to increase your chances of winning it. But it does make you think about taking your chances in life and when you feel confident. Actually, it makes me think of um, when we first started the podcast and we thought we'd never get any guests on. So mm. in a way, we just, we didn't really ask anybody at the start. Mm, that's <laughs> you know true. what I mean? You know, and it, well, reluctantly, we asked a few people, but we were almost going, they're going to say no. And then as we've gone along, we felt more lucky, in inverted commas, and we've just kind of reached out to people and said, do you want to come on the show and... I know I've been surprised and we've both been surprised that actually a lot of people and lots of people listen to it and go, yeah, yeah, fine, I'll come on and talk to you. Mm. So 
I kind of get what what uh, um, Richard Wiseman's kind of talking about in his book about the positive attitude. Mm. So, so yeah, yeah, really interesting. Are you feeling more confident now than you were at the start? More lucky, or is your your position as your thoughts on it changed? Uh, I. I tell you what, I am surprised at the difference. You've given examples of someone who appears to have the worst luck and someone who appears to have the best luck. And as you asked me at the beginning, how did I see myself? I didn't, I don't think of myself as being especially lucky or especially unlucky. But when I hear those stories, I think I probably want to revise that and say, um, look, we're living in a difficult situation with uh, COVID and whatever. And um, I think maybe I'm being a bit disingenuous to say that I'm not lucky. I am lucky. I have both my parents. um, The worst thing that could happen to me is going back to live in my mum's spare room. (laughs) And... So, yeah, I, rather than sounding like an entitled cock, I will (laughs) say I feel lucky and um, in terms of the universal dice that um, whatever deity it is that is looking after us throws, uh, I'm, I'm on the right side of it and I'm grateful for that. All right. Let's put that to the test. Heads or tails? Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. I did tails last time, didn't I? Uh, I'm going tails again. I'm going tails again. Sod it. I'm going tails again. Tails. Hey! the quantum mechanics